Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. We are continuing our audio series, but this episode is going to be really different from the last. So in the last episode, we were sort of building a foundation. The last episode was... I think primarily for people who have been doing just music videos and they're trying to step into the world of really storytelling or for those who just feel like their audio from from like the voiceover stuff, you know, the vowels and the toasts and all that kind of stuff just hasn't been up to snuff. Um, And so that's kind of what last week's episode was primarily about. This week's episode is something really different. We're going to be talking about sound design. And I would venture to say probably like 1% to 3% of wedding films that I see have any sort of sound design beyond just kind of capturing audio. But I think it's something that makes a really profound difference in, uh, in your wedding films. And so I wanted to talk about that in order to help you really step your game up to the next level. And I am thrilled that today we have... Rob Adams back with us. So, Rob, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. You've got a lot going on in your world right now. Catch us up. It's crazy. We got a newborn at home, so we have a 13-week-old. He's keeping us busy. And then, of course, you know, it's editing season, so we're editing wedding films. And then on top of that, I'm developing this entire online course for cinematic wedding editing. So uh, it's a lot of work behind the scenes, just trying to get that in place and figure out a delivery method and then ultimately package it up and get it ready for sale. So that's keeping us really, really busy. I, this, I, can't, I can't remember an off season that's been as busy as this. We didn't even have time to travel this year. Vanessa will be traveling for some conferences and speaking, but uh, normally every winter we try to take a family trip, go away, uh, and just, just be away for a few weeks in some exotic place, and we just have not been able to do that. So, yeah, we're just at home. We just got over the flu, so that was no fun. Oh. And, now, and now, that we're, now we're trying to get our noses back to the stone. Yeah, I, I feel you. And, you know, a newborn on top of anything is, is extremely busy. But on top of everything else you've got going on is a whirlwind for sure. Yeah, it definitely throws a monkey wrench into the, into the mix. But it's all worth it. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. Fantastic. My newborn is set to come right in the middle of the thick of spring wedding season. So fantastic timing, Beckett. Way to go. That's my son's name, my future son's name. That's a great um, name. Yeah, you better pray that you're not on a wedding when she goes into labor. Oh, uh, no. Thankfully, you there's know. only like, you know, you get you get some time to plan these things out, right? Because we knew basically nine months in advance uh, this, this was going to happen. But there were still like, um, I think, two weddings I'm personally shooting. Of course, we have a lot with my other brand that I sort of have to kind of help, help navigate. But uh, only two that I'm filming, I think, that come during the window of possibility so uh and i've just kind of said no to everything else for like two months so uh hopefully hopefully that all works out smart way to do it i did the exact opposite although we didn't know that vanessa was gonna get pregnant when i booked these but i had three destination weddings scheduled for the week that she was or two weeks after she was i'm sorry yeah it was two weeks before she was due yeah she ended up going two weeks early 
Oh, uh, no. So the baby was born and two days later, not even two days later, literally she was still in the hospital. I didn't even get to go home from the hospital with them. I had to get on a plane, shoot a wedding in Turks and Caicos, then Miami, and then Orlando, Florida right in a row. So I was gone for nine days right after the baby was born. Oh, that's brutal. And my first kid, I had to go to the Philippines eight days when after she was born. So wow. my wife told me if we're going to have any kids, I can't have any weddings around the winter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Got to gotta plan those kids out. That's right. Well, uh, I think this is such an interesting topic. And like I, like I mentioned in the intro there, you know, I feel like it's like 1% to 3%. Maybe if I'm really generous, 5% of wedding films that I see have any sort of sound design at all um, beyond, you know, like I said, just kind of cleaning up some audio from vows and that kind of thing. So for for those who have no idea what I'm even talking about, Mm -hmm. um, which is probably a good chunk of the audience, talk to me about what sound design is. Sound design is the incorporation of any sound that is not recorded dialogue audio. And that's just in my opinion. And dialogue, you know, can come from many different places. As we know, it can come from the wedding day itself. It can come from voiceover. It can come from, uh, you know, natural sound captured throughout the day. What sound design is, is a reinforcing soundtrack that brings the environment to life. All right. So sound design can be everything from natural ambient sounds of environment, meaning like uh, you're out on a city street and you put in city sounds behind whatever's going on. Uh, or if you're in a park, you hear the birds and, and you know, or crickets at night. Um, that's that's sort of the, uh, the basic element of sound design. And then, of course, there's the sound design elements like transitional whooshes, like or, or, you know, uh, stings, you know, stings like, like thriller stings. If you're doing some sort of a thriller and, you know, you walk around a corner and bam, you know, the music stops, but you hear this sting. That's sound design, all right? Sound design is also fully sound. Footsteps. Um, it can be uh, feet uh, on pavement or on gravel. That's two different types of, you know, sounds for two different scenarios. Uh, it can also be doors opening, elevators opening. I use that a lot in my films. So it's just this, this secondary soundtrack that brings everything to a new level uh, and enhances the senses. So it really gives it a new element of, of reality. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you've probably done some of those yourself with the whoosh. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, no, I have in the past, more so in the corporate stuff. I don't generally use the whooshes and the. And oh, the, I'm just teasing I'm, with your uh, oh. with your with your mouth sound effects there. Oh yeah, my yeah. Actually, you mean talking like recording it myself? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. You know, I've I've been known to do that. I actually have recorded Foley uh, sounds here in the studio for the purpose of my wedding films, um, doors opening and closing, that sort of thing. I'll just get out a little Zoom recorder, go over to a door, let it shut or open it, and click it. You know, sometimes it's better than having to hunt online and find a sound effect that's you know a couple bucks. You know, but there's some great resources out there where you can buy royalty-free sound effects very cheap. Yeah, for sure. So mention what those are real quick. Um, so there's soundrangers.com. Soundrangers is the one I probably default to the most. There's Premium Beat. Uh, they have some uh, sound effects on there as well. Uh, and then just by in the course of doing a Google search, you can find numerous websites that just have sounds for sale. And, you know, you can pay anywhere between a buck and three bucks for a sound. Sometimes you can buy an entire library. Sound, uh, Final Cut Pro 10 actually has an entire library built in. It's got some useful things in there like applause and cheering. And that's another form of sound uh, design that I like to use a lot is especially over dancing footage i'm using cheering and uh people like nightclub kind of sounds uh that really kind of brings it to life um but yeah sound rangers would be my go-to that's where i'll go for 
you know, my if I need something unique, something different, like something very specific, like a car rolling up on pavement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sound designing every shot. Right. You know, it's not like every shot needs. I mean, you could overdo it very easily and it becomes noticeable. The, the key to it is if nobody notices it, that you've done it, you did a good job. Mm-hmm. It should just be there and they hear it, but it's so subliminal. It's so subconscious. That's the idea. But people who watch and critique your films, they'll notice it. They'll go, something is different. Something's right. more, it's more produced. Right. And that's how you know you did a good job. Yeah, for sure. And I've heard that said with editing in general is you don't want people to notice your edit. Uh, right. And of course, you know, uh, there's plenty who would who would push back against that um, because, you know, they're kind of going for more of an extreme edit and extreme look. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of us, you know, you and I included, we're more looking for a classic look that's going to stand the test of time. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so in that case, if that's the kind of film that you're trying to produce, I'm not saying everybody needs to be doing that, you know, because there's some epic, amazing stuff out there that, you know, I love and, uh, you know, inspires me in a whole different way. At the same time, if you're, if you are going for more of that classic timeless look, you do want it to be something where people don't really notice the edit. They just are immersed into the story. And I think sound design is one of those things where you can immerse people deeper Uh, into the story than you would have otherwise yeah i'm not really much into like the uh you know the the fast forwards in time and the ramping of the speed and that sort of stuff so like yeah with a more classic style i'm thinking just more like cinematic films like real like you know like films you know like rom-coms or not rom-coms i hate you know but romantic (laughs) movies that sort of thing um you know just words and you know a steady narrative and and you can you know, incorporate that sound in there to to just bring things to like i just i love i love when i uh, groom's leaving to go to first look and yeah the, the door opens and sometimes you can even get that sound naturally on set right or on the wedding day uh and then he goes to the elevator he presses the elevator button and you can fully in that sound and then he goes out through the revolving doors and you can find a revolving door sound very subtle just and then he gets outside and then you hear the street scenes so you know you brought him from this interior to this exterior and it just has this whole new life and a lot of times like in my films i'm using a kind of a, a dip in the song to you know uh start building up that anticipation to the next big you know crescendo and that's a great time to use that sound design because you're filling in this gap when this when the music starts to drop down there's nothing else there to enhance the soundtrack it it almost gets mute it feels very empty there's something missing and it's very easy to pick up on and you can use silence as sound design too like silence can be a great sound design uh element as well but in those situations i like to use sound design because it that's when it becomes noticeable. That's when it really engages right. the senses. Uh, and then when he's standing there still and the bride starts making her way down for first look, uh, maybe you can cut to him a second of silence before she walks out. Like there's all these ways to play with it and weave it into your story. And that's where I think it's the most effective. Sure. Yeah. I can imagine just sort of a, you know, a, a silent scene with, with leaves crunching as a bride walks towards the groom for a first look, you know, things like that. But I've seen a number of people doing things like that where it's just silence to, to sort of build that anticipation because when you're watching a film, you're not expecting silence. That's the last thing that you're expecting in fact. And so it does create this sense of like, uh, what's going to happen next. You know, it's that, that anticipation that I think is really cool. 
it's like that scene in The Last Jedi, and I'm sure everybody by now has seen it, so I'm yeah. not going to spoil anything for anybody, but the Spoiler. moment that Admiral Holdo points the cruiser at the Star Destroyer and she hyperspaces through it, yep. silence, man. And, yep. you know, that's done just for the effect of, you know, hyperspace, no light, no sound. And yep. it's just such a dramatic moment. And that's a great use of silence in a film. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's where I think it really starts to stand out and people notice it, but they don't know what they're noticing. They're just like, something's different. Oh, okay. I see what's happening here. Yep. You know? Yeah, for sure. So talk to me about, you mentioned this before, like recording, you know, just the scene as it is and using some of that as your sound design. So it's, it's in the moment you've recorded some video and there's an audio track on that, obviously. So, Talk to me about when you feel like you can use that and when it's unusable. I can use it when there's not 15 groomsmen all yammering in the background or bridesmaids all squealing and screaming. That's when I can use sound design like that on set. A lot of times it's really tough to get that because there's this background noise that kind of distracts from what you're doing. And that's where it's easy to drop in a Foley. Uh, But, you know, if I have control of the situation and and I'm working with a client and we're walking through and I'm giving them directions, a lot of times I can pick up the sound. Uh, Sometimes I'll even just, you know, I'll film the scene and then while I'm, uh, getting ready to leave, I'll just quickly open the door myself just for the sound and just point the mic on camera just right at it and just get the sound. And then I'll just make a note to the to myself. I'll just say, okay, that was a sound. <laughs> yeah. It's not a throwaway clip. That was an actual Foley. Um, and and that, that's when I'll do that. Another place I'll use it um, that I didn't mention before is aerials. And a lot of people don't think to do this because you think, okay, maybe you're so high up there is no sound. But actually, if you just add in a little bit of like a to an aerial, it, it really kind of brings it to life. And, right. and, you know, especially when you're dropping down into a scene, you can kind of pan it, you know, uh, from back to front, you know, in the channels, if you're, you know, doing a stereo or a surround mix. Uh, and then that kind of like brings you into the scene. Mm-hmm. So it can be used in, in, in a stereo way too. So like if a car is going by, you just pan the audio, the sound from right to left. If it wasn't recorded in stereo, yeah. um, you know, a lot of times you find these sound effects, um, they are recorded in stereo, but you can also, if you recorded it yourself and you were recording mono in your camera, it's very easy to just, you know, hey, pan it from right to left as it goes by on the screen. And that, that'll, you know, come through the speakers like that. And in Final Cut, are you, because I've never done that, panning, uh, you know, panning from left to right or, or back to front. Are you doing that through keyframing or what are you doing? Yeah, you're just keyframing basically. Okay. So you're just taking the panning of the sound on a, under the, um, you know, in the audio inspector and you can pan it. Uh, and if you're doing a, a surround mix, it actually gives you a, uh, a spherical dialogue that has the speaker placements. And then you can drag the speaker placements in keyframe, you know, where you want them to end up for right. different sounds. It's, you know, bullets whizzing by. If you were going to do that, you could actually tell it, go from this speaker to the speaker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty powerful. It's very cool stuff. I don't do much of a surround mix for my wedding film. I know guys that go crazy. They do like a, a full Dolby 7-1 sound mix for a wedding film. And I'm like... That's a lot, a little bit too much work for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like my, I like to have my dialogue mono coming out of front speakers evenly. Uh, I don't try, I don't mess with dialogue too much. I don't pan it. I just leave it dead mono. I mono everything. If even when it was recorded in stereo, I dual mono it, let it come out left and right, even. Right. And then this way, my sound design and my music will fill the stereo. Yeah. Uh, That's what I've range. done as well. Is just kind of the dual yeah. mono because the thing is, you never know what people are going to be listening on. And so 
for something that's as important as important as the dialogue, you want to make sure it's coming through clear on both sides because, you know, I mean, people will watch your wedding film with one of their earbuds in on their phone, you know. So those kind of key things, I would definitely say like don't don't do that. But if it's right. those like sound designed where that's where the impacts can be made when people's sitting there in front of their TV in their living room with their surround sound, like that's when that's going to make that huge impact. So that's awesome. One of the other things yeah. that I have done during um, like trying to record some audio during the day, especially like during you kind of were specifically mentioning like bride and groom prep is a lot of times they'll have music on. And I don't want to. I don't want to turn their music on off because I don't want to like kill their their thing the they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if there's like key moments that I'm sort of anticipating, then I will turn it off for that. Like you know, if the mother of the bride is going to come in and help with, uh, you know, putting her necklace on or putting the veil on, like things like that. That I think it's a possibility. I don't know what I'm going to get here, but it's a possibility I'm going to get something decent here then I'm going to try to kill the music for that. Um, That's my rule too. I'll do the same thing. So makeup and hair, they can do whatever they want. Even when they're doing the robe shots and they're drinking, popping champagne, fine, have the music on, do whatever. The second it's time for the bride to get ready, no, music gets shut off. Yeah. And anybody unnecessary that doesn't need to be in the room gets out of the room. Yeah. Um, because I want to minimize, you know, those sounds. And I'm, I am, you know, assertive in that respect. And But I, I tell the client ahead of time and I ask them, hey, is it okay if we do this? Um, and then also... Um, you know, for uh, groom's prep as well, we'll do the same thing. And the guys can be louder than the girls sometimes. Right. Uh, so, you know, you have to, you know, you definitely want to try to take control. Because you're right. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, mom could start crying and then she just says, oh, you're so beautiful. I mean, I want that. I'm going to use right. that. Uh, so I, I don't want to be – and I've been in situations where it's I've had no control. Like the hair, hair people are still there with the blow dryers while the bride's getting dressed and they're right. in the same room, small hotel room. There's not a whole lot you can really do about that. Right. Uh, but, you know, whenever you can get, you know, get control, I try to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if Taylor Swift's but playing in the, the background, it's going to ruin your – it's going to ruin your highlight for sure. <laughs> right, right. And in terms of the edit uh, with sound design, you know, I'm, I, I I do that last. So I'll do my entire audio mix first, you know, meaning I'll, uh, you know, I, I mean, my process is going to be very clearly detailed in this course that I'm designing. But basically, it's, uh, you know, I do a music mix down first, and then I'll do a dialogue mix down, and then I'll do a Nat sound mix down. So any Nat sound incorporated on the clips in terms of Nat sound dialogue or laughing and that sort of stuff, that gets mixed. And then I do a Foley mix where I add back in all my uh, all my uh, ambient sounds. And that includes cheering, applause. You know, I rarely ever use the same applause. Like after the bride and groom kiss at a ceremony, it's very rare that I'll use that because you can pretty much bet that about three seconds into that, the DJ is going to kick the music on or the band's, you know, the quartet's going to start playing. So I just, I just nix that immediately and i just i find a sound that's similar to that uh ambient you know environment so like if they're outside under a tree i'm gonna find applause that sounds very similar to that environment you have to be very careful too and you got to consider room size as well if you're in a in a really small banquet room you don't want to go grabbing stadium applause and using that Uh, so you have to be very mindful as to you know the, the types of sounds you're picking for that particular scene yeah, for sure. That's what I've noticed, especially with like the final cut applause that's built in. It sounds very much like um, like a concert hall almost. Mm-hmm. So like 
you know, you do have to be picky and choosy about some of this stuff and, and pay attention to that because, you know, if you use concert hall applause in an outdoor wedding, it's gonna, it is gonna sound really weird. <laughs> it's People not are gonna, gonna notice. Right. Another yeah. thing you can do too is uh, you can enhance the current sounds you might have. So let's say you have, um, uh, you know, sitcom audience applause, but it's, it sounds very muted, like dead, almost as if it was recorded in a sound conditioned room. A little bit of reverb will make that sound like it was in a bigger room. And you can even layer the tracks. I do that often. I'll layer applause tracks to make it seem more grand. And then I'll apply a touch of reverb and that makes it sound like it's in a different room. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Platinum Verb plugin, the Logic plugin that's built into Final Cut, uh, gives you an opportunity to change actually the room dimensions and the room size. So you could change the acoustics of the actual reverb you're applying to the clip and that'll help you to tailor uh, the sound to what you need. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, one of the things too is like a lot of times during applause, there's going to be like at an actual wedding, there's going to be music going on during that yeah. applause. You know, it's it's the the exit of the ceremony and they have their walking out song um, or, you know, right. a host of other things. And so what I'll do sometimes as well is um, grab some of the applause that happened before the music kicked off and and loop it on top mm -hmm. of another applause track because if you if you just loop it you're going to notice because there's the person who's going whoo you know Woo. yeah yeah and right. you're going to hear that over and over again and it's going to be very noticeable but if you one guy of, goes yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh so you know if you sort of loop that and cut out some of those whoops and yes um and then do that on top of another applause track that's kind of quieter um to sort of add some uh consistency to it i think that that sort of works too in order to be able to still use a very natural sound because it was the actual sound that was going on in that space, but mm -hmm. also it not be ruined by the music track of what was going on at the time mixed with yeah. your music track. Yeah. You got, you do have to be very discretionary and you, you got to think, you know, you got to watch it back over and over again and, and ask yourself, does this sound real? Right. Like just completely, forget that you you know i always try to make myself forget like, okay I, I didn't put a sound in here if i was just watching back this back the first time as somebody else would it sound natural is it does it sound real um and i'll or sometimes i'll grab my wife and say hey listen to this does this sound real um and you know that that's the cell right there you just want it to blend in uh and then over dancing footage i'll be real uh careful also as to choose what kind of cheering uh, I'm putting it under the dancing footage too because if it sounds like mostly women and I'm showing shots of guys, you know, the, you just have to, again, just try to find something that fits the visual because it's a very fine balance between, you know, making that work and it not working at all. So, yeah, I always, I, and, and, and the fullness of the sound too. I don't, I, I always try to build up the cheering during dancing. So I'll start it out when the dancing segment kind of starts. It's like, it's light, it's in there, it's more walla than anything else. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like people milling around and then it starts to cheer and build up. And as the cuts get a little faster, I start building up the cheering. And then like if it's a Jewish wedding and they put the bride and groom up on the chairs, the crowd just goes nuts at that point. And I throw in the, the most, the, you know, the heavy cheering on that section. Cocktail hour too. When I'm showing shots of cocktail hour, I always put in room walla. Uh, you know, it's just, right. and you can find walla effects that are, um, um, they have like, the, like a bar. So you'll actually hear like, you know, 
you know, the sound of glasses and so like, you know, a restaurant. You know, you can find things that actually fit the room that you're in. It's very cool. It's actually a lot of fun when you get that when you get into it. It's actually one of my favorite parts of audio mixing is doing the foley. Plus, I know the film will be done after that too, so that helps. Yeah, <laughs> just an extra motivation. Exactly. Yeah. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again, and have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get, and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you. Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. So talk to me about some of your process. And I know you're going to kind of go in detail in this in your course, but talk to me about some of your process. Like once you... Um, it sounds like this is, you know, obviously towards the end of what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Just give me like start to finish of just what that looks like for you in terms of you've kind of finished everything but the sound design. What's your first step and kind of what are you, what are you doing all along through the whole edit? I just did an edit cast on this exact uh, thing uh, a couple of days ago. So basically what I'll do is, yeah, once once I've got the, the story down in uh, what I call picture lock, meaning that I'm not going to make any drastic edits to the uh, narrative dialogue or the story itself, and I'm pretty sure the film is a final cut, um, I will start to clean up the timeline. I'll go through and, and, and uh, consolidate the mess that I've made in just building the film because I'm not a clean editor. I'm a sloppy editor. I throw everything down, just get it into place. Um, it's, it's beyond a rough cut. It's not a rough cut. It's a final cut, but it's a rough final cut. And then I'll merge everything down into the timeline, get it nice and neat, and then I'll create my audio roles. So I'll actually go through and uh, make sure that all of my clips are labeled as the role that they need to be. Um, and if you've worked in Final Cut before, you understand how roles work, or you should understand how roles work because they make audio mixing much, much easier. Um, if I've got a priest talking throughout the context of a 20-minute film, and you hear him in the beginning, a little bit in the middle, and then you hear him at the end, um, I want that to be all on one role, quote-unquote, track, so I can easily apply filters and effects to his entire range of dialogue because chances are his sound profile hasn't changed, right? So I'm trying to make everything have their own little role track. And then once that's all done, I can begin my 
music mix down, then my narrative mix down, then my Nat sound mix down where I go back through the primary storyline and actually go through each of the individual Nat sound clips, make sure their levels match what I'm doing with the music. It's important to always match to the music. Like I always, you know, normalize my music first and then figure out because all music is recorded differently right like different recording studios different processes some music tracks are recorded and normalized at higher levels than others so you really have to find a nice happy medium where your dialogue can carry over those music tracks regardless of how they were recorded right so once you've got that done that's your baseline all right so your narrative is mixing well with your music and your nat sound is mixing well with both of those then you can go back and do your foley mix if you try to do your foley mix as you go, your levels are just going to be all over the place and you're just going to drive yourself crazy going from clip to clip to clip trying to make everything match. Um, so I try to normalize. What I try to do is I normalize my narrative and my music dialogue in negative six dB and then I'll allow room up to like negative three, sometimes negative two for spikes in dialogue that can't be limited out um, or if they, you know, I can always duck them down if I have to. But I, I mean, sometimes the way you record dialogue on the wedding, somebody's just got a weak voice. You know, right. They might be up on the mic. They just have a weak voice. So it doesn't come through like dad did because dad's dad's up here and he's booming into the mic. And then they made of honors back here and she's very meek and she's speaking as loud as she can. But this is all you get. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll allow room to boost her up. And then you need a little cap room for the Foley too because sometimes you need that Foley it doesn't blend well down in the lower dBs and really kind of needs to come out in front sometimes like the applause and like the cheering. So I'll leave a little headroom there on the, on the VU meter just for those high level um, Foley sounds. And, and that really, that's a great way to approach it because you're never going to find yourself up against zero. Right. Um, your dialogue is going to be nice and clean and carry through, especially if you're using like a fat EQ or a channel mixer instead of just sound ducking. Like, I don't just like to lower the volume of my music for the dialogue. I like to use a channel mixer because then I can choose which frequencies I'm dropping out to let the dialogue carry over it, right? Um, so that's that's one way to get that baseline as close to negative six as possible, giving you that cap room to play with afterward. That's the process. I mean, that's that's basically how I would, you know, stories done, do those things in sequence, and then you can go back and color grade. Or you can do your color grade first. Sometimes I'll do my color grade first, and then I'll go back and do my audio. It just yeah. depends on my mood. Yeah. Sure. So tell me a little bit more about, because I think the most people who are going to be um, – kind of an entry point of learning their, uh, you know, just mixing the vocals track or just going to be messing with volume. So talk to me about what you're looking for in the studio mixer in terms of the different frequencies and the different, mm -hmm. basically like, you know, like what you talked about before where you have the booming bass voice versus the high-pitched, uh, you know, excited bridesmaid voice. Talk to me about what you're doing in the in the sound mixer there. I think it comes down to understanding how frequencies work. And I'm not an expert in, in audio mixing. I just my limited knowledge of it has allowed me to create good audio mixes for my films just from what I've learned. So study up. I mean, go sure. go watch, you know, tutorials on how to do sound mixing. Watch how musicians do it, how they blend all those instruments together together, and then the sound wave is like straight across the top. It's like, how the hell did they do that? Yeah. Um so basically what uh my method for that is is a woman's voice will generally fall into the higher frequencies 
where men's voices, depending on the tonality, can fall in the mid to lower ranges, not all the way on the spectrum. You know, I'm never really adjusting too much of the far right for the bass or for the treble and the far left for the bass. I'm usually working with those mid ranges between like uh, 2,000 and like 5,000 on, you know, kilohertz. And what I'll ch tend to do is, is depending on the tonality of the voice, if a man's got a really booming voice, I can usually just drop out the, the, the very mid ranges of the song so you're not losing the high and the low end that's that's where the the impact of the song is that's where the bottom and the top of the song are you're just dropping out those mid-ranges especially if you have vocals in the song because then it's minimizing those mid-range vocals to allow your dialogue vocal to carry over it so usually men with a baritone voice sort of like mine uh will carry easily if they're up on the mic if they're back here it's just so difficult to get them to carry over music you find yet you have to to channel eq the music much lower in the mix uh, to get that to come through. Uh, you can also add a little bit of bass back into a voice, but you don't want to do that too much because then you're overpowering the treble side and then it gets sounds muddy, right? Um, or if you've got background noise that you had to remove, now you're completely removing your high end and you've got nothing but garbled low end and that makes things a challenge where you have to add back in some boxy range. So it's really kind of tough. Um, but for women's voices, I find that the most challenging. So I'm always looking at those... Um, mid-high frequencies on the channel EQ scale. If you look at a channel EQ meter, you'll see that, you know, on the far left, I'm probably reversed on your screen. Um, your far left is going to be your your lower frequencies. Far right is going to be your higher frequencies. I'm looking more toward the center left to drop down. I'm sorry, the center right to drop down those mid-highs. That's where the woman's voice is going to carry over. So I'm going to try to drop out some of those high, high ranges. You can also use high and low-pass filters. Um, so rather than just trying to do it manually with a channel EQ, sometimes a simple high and low pass with a one slide operation that just say, hey, how much high do you want to let through? How much low do you want to let through? That can help you find a nice range where the voice can carry in. The idea is when you put dialogue over music, you don't want to add to the volume units. You right. want the volume units to stay the same, but you want the frequencies you don't need to drop out. Hmm. And that's where the channel EQ or the fat EQ uh, come into play. So you really got to play around and get a feel for how that works. In my course, I go into detail explaining how, you know, showing you how I do it with different vocal ranges. And that really kind of helps to illustrate it. But you do have to play around with it yourself because uh, what I might have done on the previous job is not going to work on this job. It's just there's so many factors. How sure. is the voice recorded? Was the quality of the recording good? Is there background noise? What is the tonality of the voices? Um, so all those things come into play and it takes, it can take some time to really nail it down. But um, I also don't go too crazy because, you know, time is money. Sure. Um, if I'm not getting it perfect, as long as I can watch it back after stepping away for a while, come back and rewatch it over speakers. If the voice is audible and it's carrying through if it's not movie quality if it's not studio quality i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend hours upon hours trying to perfect it sure. um, i had once i had one situation where i did a very high profile wedding very high profile wedding and i had to we we recorded from a band and the, the feed was just god awful and there was no time because of logistics to mic anybody up for the for the toast and the audio was just terrible and it just had the 60 cycle hum coming through it and it was right in that mid-range, man. If you get a 60-cycle hum, by the way, if you're ever, you know, I don't, you guys should know this, but if you've got a cord, if you've got a cable that's carrying your mic signal, your mic line, and it's laying over a power cable or next to a power cable, like on set, 
um, chances are you're going to get, you, there's a good chance if you don't have a good shielded cable, it's going to come through as a, as a buzz. And that buzz lives right over your mid-range frequencies, which is yeah. where your vocal tone is. And it's almost impossible to pull out unless you really know what you're doing. Uh, so for this particular wedding, I just said, screw it. I had to send the audio off to a, somebody who could do it. So I sent it off to like a, uh, a studio that specializes in and removing sound and they did a really good job but it cost me money <laughs> sure. to get that done yeah. um that wouldn't be the case for every wedding but you know don't go don't drive yourself nuts but these are the ways you can you know just using channel eqs and fat eqs it's a good way to to let the voice carry over rather than just ducking down the audio i feel like when you just drop down the volume of your music you just lose all the impact of the music you just don't it's just not there anymore it's very low and that can work if you're doing a very simple edit you know i just i'm a little bit more of a of a perfectionist than that yeah for sure talk to me about what you're doing just as a baseline like say you've got um you've got pretty good audio that you've collected but you just want to enhance in terms of like the vocals um, mm -hmm. But you just want to enhance it a little bit. What are you What are you applying to that track? So that's sweetening. So there's sound design, there's mixing, there's sweetening. Sweetening to sure. me is I'll go now. Once I've got the mix, once I've got it, the levels where I want them to be. Let's say uh, best man's voice is a little on the weak side, and by weak I just mean it's not like full. Sure. It's a little tinny. Maybe the recording was a little tinny. I will go back and add a standard 10-band equalizer to, you know, each individual track or, you know, each, each individual person's track and sweeten it. So, you know, try to – and I, I try not to add. I try to always take away. So it's like I'm not adding bass. I'm trying to drop down the, a little bit of the boxy or the mid-range frequencies to let the – the, the bass be more present. Um, you can do a bass boost too. If somebody's really got no bass in their voice, you can do a little bit of a bass boost. Uh, compressors are a great way to actually enhance voices. Right. Um, so uh, if you apply a compressor, uh, it'll not only even out the ranges, because I, I use limiters widely to get my vocal um, peaks and valleys uniform. Uh, Final Cut has a built-in one. They call it loudness. And sometimes it works well if there's no noise. If your signal-to-noise ratio is low, you can get away with using that. But a lot of times a compressor is good because it'll track. Uh, right. You can you set the look ahead and the release timing to spike up and bring the levels up where it needs to. So if somebody's doing this on the mic, you know, and they're here and then he looks away and he's over here and then he's over here and then he's back over here. A compressor will do a good job of helping to even all that out and add a little bit of fullness right. to the voice too. Again, it's not going to be universal. I can't say, oh, just apply a compressor to every one of your audio clips and it's all going to sound good. Sometimes it doesn't. So sure. you just have to play around with these tools. Just knowing your toolbox, you know, know what's in your toolbox and that'll help you to, to experiment and play around. But compressors are a good way to do that. Um, and then there's other there's other filters there's deessers there's uh you know um you know like I said before high pass and low pass filters can help you to do that too so sweetening you can use a lot of the same tools but generally I just use an equalizer just to try to sweeten up and take away the the distracting frequencies you know right. what boxy sounds like boxy sounds kind of like this kind of like they've got a cardboard box right around their face right. if you you just pull out a little bit of that boxy mid. Like if you have a 10-band equalizer, you pull out like the seventh slider just down a little bit. It helps a lot. To, it lets the sparkle come through and the voice sounds a little bit more clear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
that's especially useful on groom's mics because a lot of times when we're hiding a groom's mic what do you do you put it behind something well when you put a mic behind something what happens well you're creating a filter right um so it's gonna it's gonna cut down a lot of frequency so uh yeah that's that's a good way to kind of combat that just after you get your level set then you can go back and sweeten right yeah we had one uh not too long ago where it was a best man who was just kind of this scrawny high-pitched kind of guy and he he was holding the mic down towards his belly button the whole time Mm -hmm. and so because of that and because of sort of the ambient room noise that was going on, there was just kind of this high, it was it was very muffled. You could hardly hear his voice at all. And at the same time, there was this very high-pitched kind of uh, uh, just sort of like a, a, a high-pitched rasp going on. Mm-hmm. And so just by like dropping the top two or three in kind of a tiered effect, mm-hmm. um, levels or, or frequencies that really brought his voice out again we didn't we didn't bring anything up because as you bring things up ab- above that middle line it sort of adds some extra noise it's kind of like yeah. uh it's kind of like your exposure you know if you pull your exposure up in post it's going to add noise i think in the same way a sound equalizer can do that sometimes you can get away with it because of the music track or whatever um but by pulling those frequencies down, we were actually able to understand his voice, whereas it was completely unintelligible before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The signal to noise ratio, the noise floor, is basically what you're referring to. You want to, you know, right. want to know where your noise floor is at. And you know, listen, we are we are tasked with recording dialogue in an uncontrolled environment with no control given to us and that's a very difficult thing to do and we try to hedge our bets as much as possible but listen happens to every wedding filmmaker on the planet once in a while you just get crappy audio it's gonna happen and just having the tools to deal with i mean there there have been some speeches where i can't even use them um and i have to make a choice do i leave them in they certainly don't go in my promotional edits they go on the feature because i'm not going to leave it out of a feature edit but, you know, you do have to make a choice. And I recently just had to deliver a film that, you know, there was a little bit of a buzz and the bride asked me about it. You know, I don't ever point it out. But if they asked me about it, I say, yeah, it's kind of out of my control. Right. And it really was because we were we ran it through a hum remover. We have a little box, a little hum remover box where you plug an XLR in one end and come out the other and then go back to your board. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does help to cut down a little bit. But the noise was just so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so bad. It was coming through the speakers, which was bleeding into our on-body mics. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I tried to talk to the sound guy. He just didn't want to hear it, you know. You're going to have to deal with stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just, you know, we study up on audio. I mean, it's a whole different world. As filmmakers, you know, we're, you know, wedding filmmakers, we're a jack of all trades. You know, we, we have to be visual artists. We have to be audio experts. We have to be, you know, graphic designers in a lot of respects. So. You know, it's one of those things just to, you know, spend some time investing in that area and it'll help you tremendously when you find yourself in a jam. Yeah, absolutely. What um, what resources have you found really helpful um, on the topic? I, I just YouTube in general. Yeah, if I'm sure. if I'm curious on how you know I I don't know logic at all. Logic is you know Apple's version of an audio editor, and it's a pretty powerful program. I just know nothing about it. You know I know how to use some of the plugins that are integrated in the Final Cut uh, at their most basic levels, but um, you know just I'll just I'm curious. Hey, how does this um, you know how does this plugin work? 
You know, I'll just Google, I'll Google it and I'll do a YouTube or I'll do a YouTube search and I'll find a little tutorial on a guy who kind of knows the ins and outs. And that's, that's how I'll do it. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm sure you could find entire audio courses on how to do this. I don't have that time, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, little YouTube tutorials, you know, really help to, you know, bolster your knowledge in, in, in little areas like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing how finding one little short five-minute video will completely revolutionize the way that you edit sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's my goal, actually, to uh, once I have my course complete, um, you know, so the whole venture that I'm, I'm getting into now is, you know, I'm developing this wedding cinematic editing course, which is, you know, tens and tens of hours of of content. It's going to be all broken down into digestible pieces. Um, but then eventually we're going to do uh, partner plugins where I'm going to have other people produce courses and you know I'm, I'm and i'm it's on our short list to do one that's solely geared around sound mixing and, and sound design um so you know in addition to this whole course that i'm developing which is kind of like the practical scratch the surface soup to nuts get a wedding film done kind of thing um we, we want to go further in depth into these areas so that's one of the major areas i think a lot of there's nothing out there specifically for wedding filmmakers i mean yeah you have youtube tutorials and people doing some courses here and there and workshops but you know you need a, a place that you can go to that's a one-stop resource that's hey i need to learn how to up my game for my wedding films audio wise boom this is going to be the place to go awesome yeah for sure yeah i've i've you know there's there's workshops that you can go to and all those kind of things but when it comes to like a full edit course that you can take online for wedding filmmakers you're right i haven't seen anything out there so right you know i'm thrilled that you're doing something like this yeah we've been working for over well, a year and a half now on this and it and i wish it could take less time but to do it right it needs to be done this way and um we've been meticulous and, and we've had to go back and and revisit some parts of it because uh final cut you know 10.4 rolled out and it's got all these new color tools in it which are very powerful and i yeah. wanted to include some of that in it so i went back and i'm in the process of re-recording some of that now uh to incorporate that into the into the color grading section so yeah i want this to be something that you know you wouldn't sit and watch it from start to finish all the way through because you'll be you'll have a beard when yeah. you're done. Um, but it, it's meant to be, hey, uh, let me log in and let's, I'm going to train a new editor. Let's start with how to ingest and organize. And on day one, I'm going to show you how to ingest and organize. And awesome. then we'll get into, you know, favoriting and narrative, you know, dialogue. So, I mean, it's going to walk you through the process, but it's going to take some time. But for an aspiring wedding filmmaker or, you know, somebody already has video knowledge and wants to get into weddings, this is the how-to. Yeah. This is the how do I become a wedding filmmaker course. That's awesome. Yeah, we're about to hire a second editor um, at our studio, and so I hope you have the course ready for us because I'd like to. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna sign up. Right now, we're looking. I, I don't want to put too fine of a point on it because that just creates expectation, and I want to be able to be honest and meet expectations. So, sure. um, as of right now, you know, we're thinking late spring, early start to summer. We'll start to see the final touches put on it. And then hopefully nice. over the summer, the course will roll out. I mean, I don't want, again, don't hold me to that. That's our hope. That's our expectation at this point. Sure. Like I said before, there's a lot of back end that goes into it too. So it's not just the course, yep. developing the course is the easy part. It's how to implement it and, <laughs> and roll it out to you. That's the challenge. Yep. And then by that point, Final Cut will roll out a few new updates that you have to shoot everything over again. 
probably, <laughs> but I think I think our our, our approach to that's going to be we're going to constantly be updating the content. So yeah. um, similar to other you know resources out there like Linda and Larry Jordan, they're constantly upgrading up updating their stuff. So and it's also going to include um you know uh, we're going to eventually roll out a shooting a whole shooting course too. I mean, this is just the editing course. So you know as time goes on, there will be little add on tutorials like so. Let's say you've, you're done with the cinematic course um, and you want to learn how to uh, do a trailer, you know. We'll have a course on how to do quick trailers and how to do promotional pieces and promote them on social media. So there's going to be lots of additional satellite content. And then there's going to be new major course revisions or course rollouts, I should say, where we have a whole new course and then a whole new course and then satellite courses around that. Right. So this is, you got to see the, the mind map on this thing is just it's vomit on a whiteboard. It's just unbelievable the the, the, the directions and then the spinoffs that we saw for this. So, yeah, we're working feverishly to roll this out. That's super exciting, man. Yeah. I think it'll be an amazing resource to, um, you know, to whether you're, whether you're starting out, whether you're like me, you're trying to get a new editor trained or whether you're just trying to step your game up and you've been doing this for a long time and you need something fresh. I think we all, we all need fresh inspiration. We all need fresh ideas from time to time. And so <clears throat> it sounds to me like regardless of where you're at, this is going to be a legit course yeah it's it's geared towards the beginner slash intermediate so you're going to also see you know i'm going to be editing a film of mine so you're going to see my process my personal inspiration you know my personal uh method and then you'll see the film come together and then you that'll inspire you too so even for pros and seasoned editors you're going to find nuggets you're going to find things in here that maybe you missed or maybe you weren't uh you know thinking about or just a different way to approach something uh, and a lot of premiere i think premiere editors will actually be uh, the most informed because they'll see how Final Cut actually is is used in building a wedding film, which is something that, you know, you don't get to see every day. Um, so p people who are curious or just maybe want to see, you know, a different way of approaching something that, that'll, that'll benefit them. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I know you have um, – uh, you've got to take over for the kids here. So I yes. want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. So – Thanks, uh, thanks again for coming on. If you, if we want to check out, is there a website up yet where we can yes. kind of point people to? We have a landing page, and what we're doing right now is just, um, you know, we're taking email addresses so you can be notified. It's not, it's not a spam. Uh, you know, we're not going to spam you. It's basically, you know, sign up for uh, the email list so we can let you know updates as they come out. Uh, so if you just go to dreadededit.com or thedreadededit.com, either. URL will get you to the same place. Uh, you'll get a free ebook, my free ebook for just uh, adding your email to our list. It's 10 simple tips for making a better wedding film. I wrote this ebook a while back, but it's, uh, you know, I get a lot of great feedback on it. And it's a great companion book just to read before your wedding season starts. You know, this is a great time to do that. We're heading into wedding season. It's just a great time to get this free ebook and just, uh, you know, uh, read up on how I prepare myself to go into a shoot to make sure I have everything I need for a great edit afterwards. So that's, awesome. That's mainly what it is. So just dreadededit.com, sign up for the e free ebook, and we won't send you a ton of email messages, only when it's necessary. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming on again. This has been super helpful. Uh, I'm excited to see the way that our listeners step up their audio game after this podcast. So thanks again, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for all you're doing. I love the podcast. I think you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks. 
The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.